0: Welcome back. I'm so excited you're here today because we are going to party. Okay, let's be honest. Sometimes we miss the party because we have headaches and migraines, and we don't feel good. In fact, they are becoming more and more common, and that is why I am so excited to have today's guest on. So I have mentioned on my Instagram, my Instagram is deliciously fit and healthy, and I've shown myself in my stories that I get a couple of migraines a year. I only get about two or three. But when I stumbled upon this doctor that explains headaches and explains what they could be linked to... I knew I had to have her on the show, like, automatically. So I am super excited to introduce you to Dr. Meg Mill. She is a functional medicine practitioner, and she is a virtual functional practice where she works with patients around the world to heal the root cause of their health struggles through diagnostic testing and personal support. She particularly is passionate about helping people end headaches and migraines, increase energy and restore mental clarity without drugs or overwhelming protocols and help them live the life they love. Dr. Mill is a best-selling author and speaker. She has been in national publications such as Fox News Channel, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Yahoo, Reader's Digest, Health, Authority Magazine, Very Well Health. Literally, the list goes on and on. And she has several national blogs and podcast guests' appearances. So she literally knows her stuff. I will link all of the things that she talks about in show notes, her site, her Instagram, and even her free eight-step guide to saying goodbye to headaches naturally. But I'm super excited for you to hear some of the ideas she has today. I love that, as always, she made a huge effort to give simple ideas of how we can improve our headaches and what we can be aware of to hopefully stop the headaches. Because I know for some people, having chronic headaches is a nightmare. It ruins everything About how you live your life. So, I'm hoping that today you get some great ideas of how to figure out what is causing those chronic headaches and to be aware of it and hopefully improve them. And as always, if today's episode is helpful, do not forget to share it on your social media with your friends, with anyone that you want to spread the word about how we can possibly reduce the amount of headaches we have. But before we go there, I want to give a shout out to Utah Living. She did a podcast review titled A Godsend. Andrea, thank you for being real, for understanding women's needs, and for being so encouraging, authentic, and easy to understand. I am a nurse researcher, and even with years of experience and doctoral education, I need simple. I know, she said in parentheses, I know these things, but needed you to re-explain it to me and keep me accountable. Simplicity makes it doable. The world is lucky to have you. You are the whole enchilada, but watch those macros. Thank you, Utah Living. The truth is, you guys know, I don't read these podcast reviews to rag on myself. I read them to encourage you to leave them because it allows the podcast to grow. It allows me to get more guests on like we have today with Dr. Meg, and it allows me to help you better. So please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to. Make sure you're getting every episode downloaded directly to your phone so that you don't miss any of our topics on health and fitness and how I am hopefully making them more simple for you. And before we get into it, I do want to say if you have any issues with sleeping, anxiety, stress... I do think giving Soul CBD a try would be very effective. I have fallen madly in love with their products. I mention sometimes products on the podcast, and I am insanely picky. In fact, I probably make my publicist insane because I'm like, nope, unless I love it, I'm not talking about it. And I love this product. I reached out to them and asked them to be a sponsor for the show because I love it so 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 much. I know sometimes when people hear CBD, they're like, "Oh my gosh, that's like weed, that's hemp." But it's actually not. CBD has no THC in it. THC is what actually gives you the high, but the second highest item in a hemp plant is cannabidol, and that is what helps calm people. I literally limit my caffeine. Like, I am like a straight lace. I don't drink, I don't do anything. And I am such a fan of this because it has really helped with my personal anxiety and my issues with sleeping. I am a massive fan of their gummies. They have some Bedtime Bestie gummies. I have the Blueberry Lemonade. I have one every night. It helps calm my mind. I easily fall asleep. I sleep through the night. I just got their oil drops. I got the orange flavor. They have different strengths, but it's really nice if you're in the middle of feeling super stressed or anxious or just overwhelmed. You just put like a drop or two under your tongue, and it makes such a difference. If you struggle with anxiety, with stress, with feeling overwhelmed, I do suggest trying CBD. Again, there's no THC in it. It's organically grown and made in the USA. I promise I chose a fantastic company and I truly am a massive fan. You can go to the website website MySoulCBD.com. And if you use the discount code SIMPLE, it gives you 15% off all of their products. And I will also add a direct link with my code in the show notes. But again, it's 15% off with the code SIMPLE at MySoulCBD.com. And I promise if you struggle with any of those things, you will not regret trying it. All right, so let's get into it with Dr. Meg Mill, and let's talk about headaches, where they're coming from, and how we can be aware of what could possibly be causing them. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated, and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information, and you're busy, and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed, so I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here, and I hope you stay a while. Dr. Mill, I am super excited to have you on today and just hear everything you have to share. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like headaches and migraines are so common. And when we were talking previously and you were telling me how they could be relinked to periods and stress and so many things, I was like, oh my gosh, I
1: have to have her on the podcast. This is fascinating. Thank you. I know. And I feel like headaches are something that are just so overlooked. And that's kind of what made me get into really focusing on headaches because we feel like they're just something we have to live with. And we're told that there's so many things we can do every day.
0: That's a really good point because you think, oh, I just have a headache. But like, there's people who have headaches every week. And it's the same thing with stomach pain. When people are like, oh, I have stomach pain. I'm like, no, you have a gut health issue. Then you probably should look into that. So that's a really good point that we start to think, oh, it's normal. And just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. There's
1: a difference. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So tell me about your background. How did you start to focus on this, you know, just about headaches or how it's linked to hormones or what we eat or anything?
1: Yeah. So I am a a functional medicine practitioner and I have a virtual functional medicine in practice. And I started noticing that I had so many people coming to me with headaches and whether they were coming to me for headaches or whether they were coming to me for other, I see people for all different reasons, but it, we do a really detailed intake questionnaire when we first start. And as we were going through this intake questionnaire, just kept coming up commonly that, that so many, particularly women were suffering from headaches for you know long-term. And, and really there's so many things that so many other things that can go into your health when you're having to then take medications even to cover up the headaches. That I just started to feel like, wow, this is just more of a, a problem than you know people are really talking about. On the flip side, I would once we would start to work together, they would say, oh my gosh, my headaches are gone. I never thought I could be headache free. It was just so shocking to so many people that they didn't have to live with us. And I really thought this is something that needs to be talked about more, that needs to be focused on because people really are suffering long-term with these and and don't have to.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I've had clients come to me And it really affects so much of their lives when they constantly have headaches. And I've had someone say to me, I struggle working out because I have headaches multiple times a week. And so I can't work out. And then it affects how they feel. And then it affects how they look. And it affects everything. And even the way that we're social and everything, headaches are just... (laughs) I feel like when it happens in your head, like there's nothing worse. I'd rather almost have like a hurt limb or something.
1: You just can't get past it. No,
0: you can't just be like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I see spots. I can't even see. It's all good. So
1: tell me some of the factors that cause chronic headaches that we might not even be aware of. There's so many things. And I think that's the first thing that you need to do is shift your mindset and think that we just think like, oh, I have the headache and the headache is the problem, but the headache's really the symptom. So when I, I like to um, tell this little story, uh, kind of about the difference in the way we look at it functionally versus the way you would see it conventionally. So if you were going and you had um, an issue with your car and you were taking your car to the mechanic and you took your car in and it was making a funny noise and you went to the mechanic and you said, "I'm my car's making a funny noise and they walked took your keys, walked over and handed you a, a pair of headphones and your keys back. Would you feel comfortable driving away in your car And most of us would say, no way we, we wouldn't do that but we're, we're treating headaches that way so we're giving medication really just to cover up those symptoms And so what we need to do is flip it around and think, well, I have headaches. Why do I have headaches? Because once you can figure that out, then we can make a lot of changes. So they can come, we can get into things like, you know, food and stress and hormones and even gut health and even simple things like sleep and hydration can make a big difference in why people get headaches.
0: Okay. So we've got to dive into that because I know hydration, like often when I have a headache or my husband does, he's not great at drinking water. And when he gets a headache, I'm like, have you drank enough water today? Like his mom. (laughs) But what foods, like what things can we be aware of? Like if we are someone who gets headaches on a regular basis or a couple times a week or even month, what are some things that people could start looking for to like link to possibly
1: the headaches? So there's there's a couple of different components. So there's food groups in particular that we know have, we have studies that actually promote headaches in different, fun- from different functions in your body. And that would be, there are foods that are high in histamine, foods high in tyramine. We have, um, some people are sensitive to salicylates, things that contain MSG or aspartame or even colorings and caffeine are all different groups of foods that can have a trigger that can potentiate a headache. The, the, where it gets tricky for people is that it's not every food for every person. So you get these lists. Sometimes I send, you know, I say to people, I'm sending you all of these food lists, but I want you to really look at them and evaluate them and not be overwhelmed because you can think, oh my gosh, all these, some of the foods are healthy and you know, all these different foods, but it's really about the the overall load. So you really want to dig into what triggers it for you. And sometimes it can be one of those foods or sometimes it's a combination. So I'm gonna use wine as an example. So sometimes people can say that has um, sulfites in it. And sometimes people can say, well, I have a glass of wine and I'm fine. And then another time I'll have a glass of wine and I get a really bad headache. But it might not just be the sulfites from the wine. It could be that you had some, you had wine and then you had tyramine with that, with some cured food or something like that, that really just put you over your threshold. So what I do is I actually say to people, um, why don't you print out a blank calendar? This is something for your listeners that they can do, you know, if just to really get started and print out a calendar. And then when you get a headache, write the things that you ate that day and the day before on that calendar and start to just look for, for trends. You know, you can find things when you really start diving in. Um, sometimes you'll just see like, Hey, actually I ate this every time I had the headache. There's just, you know, some things that start in common. There's another aspect, though, that is really individual, and that's food sensitivities. So that's why I say the day that you have the headache and the day before, because food sensitivities um, can show up four to forty-eight hours after you eat the food, and so and those are individual to each person. So it's really about becoming kind of your own detective, I say, and looking into those foods that that trigger your unique situation.
0: That totally makes sense to me. So I, I'm going to have you. Tell me some examples because you mentioned a few things that might. Can you give us some food examples of those? Because I think that would help me kind of visualize it a little bit better. Like some of the items. Like
1: I know aspartame, what that's in, but some of the other subjects, yes. like can you name off some foods that are in those areas? Sure. So when when we're looking at so aspartame would be in the diet, in the diets like when we're looking at MSG, you're looking at canned foods, soups, processed foods, processed meats, things like that. Perfect. Um when you're looking at sulfites, you're looking at at, at wines, dried, d- dried fruits are another thing. Um, okay. Nitrates are like the hot dogs, the lunch meat, the bacon, some things like that. Salicylates can be found in many citrus fruits. So things that have citrus and different foods. And we um, tyramine is often found in aged and cured foods. So like aged cheeses and things like that. And then histamine is in, um, that's almost like a whole different ballgame um, because there's so many factors in histamine. And how different people metabolize um, the histamines from foods. But like some fermented foods, aged cheese, even avocado is a common food a lot of people eat that can be high in histamine. And with those foods, actually, it gets a little bit more complicated because you also want to look at leftovers because even if a food isn't high in histamine, For people that are very sensitive, you can actually, even if you have a food that's left over for a few days, you want to be careful with that because that can grow histamine sometimes.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, so I love how the categories were so broad. Like there was a lot of different types of food. So it would be helpful to print off that calendar and kind of list some of those and then come back and listen to that part of the podcast, or even look up more foods that are in those categories. I will list those categories in the show notes for anyone who's curious. I will list those so that you can kind of be aware and look them up or like be aware of the foods for anyone who is like, oh, I want to do this. So if we're aware of our foods, what else could affect our headaches? Like I know we've kind of talked about how they could be linked to periods or stress or What else could we be
1: aware of if we don't think it's linked to food? Yeah. So, another, so you mentioned stress. So, I call that the chain of pain because it's very cyclical for people because it it gets complicated because pain in itself is stressful. And so, when we think of when we think of stress, we're thinking of our to-do list and everything we have going on, but we can also have biological stressors, and so pain could be one of those. And what happens is when you're, when you're stressed out, when you have too much on your plate, you get high cortisol levels. And once your cortisol levels increase, they increase another hormone called prolactin. And prolactin actually increases your pain sensitivity, so it can increase the pain and severity of your headaches. And so this can be a common cycle for people that we have trouble getting out of this, the stress, pain, headache syndrome. So we really need to work on things that are really nourishing and bring our cortisol levels down.
0: That's fascinating. I noticed for myself, I never had headaches my whole life. And probably two or three years ago, probably three years ago, I started getting a migraine every couple times a year. And I hadn't really changed anything. But the one thing as you said that I can think of is my stress level went up. We added more kids. You know, work got a lot busier and things just got a little bit more on my plate. I loaded it up a little bit too much. And I did start to get migraine. So as you say that, I'm like, huh, that is one factor that changed because most other
1: things were kind of the same. Yes. And and so really going back to the basics in that case and really doing things that, you know, doing deep we have two separate nervous systems. So we have the parasympathetic where we're resting and digesting, and we have the sympathetic where we're in the fight or flight. And we often, we want to live most of the time in that parasympathetic, but a lot of us are in the sympathetic nervous system a lot more than, you know, is intended just because of all those things that you're saying. And we have busy lives. And so just doing things that bring yourself back into that rest and digest back into that parasympathetic nervous system. And it, it's really individual, uh, people that resonate differently with different things. So deep breathing, meditation, walking outside, just some movement, anything that really relaxes you and can get you calm and into that really focusing on the parasympathetic nervous system is important.
0: It's so true because if you think about how things are now compared to when we were kids, like anything I want is at my fingertips. I can have it in five (laughs) seconds, which also means anyone can find me in five seconds. Yes, (laughs) And so we do have a lot of inundation of just stuff, of activities, of social media, of people trying to get a hold of us. And it's just a lot. It's always pounding. So taking that step back and saying... I'm going to walk away for a few minutes, take deep breaths. I had a therapist one time tell me to download that app Calm and watch like some Mm -hmm. of the scenery of like the mountain water or the ocean or whatever. And it was amazing what that did. If you're in a situation where you're like, I can't go outside or I can't, you know what I mean, get some fresh air, at least, you know, stepping outside where you are and trying to look at something peaceful and take deep breaths or get fresh air if you can and exercise and all those things can help reduce that stress level. And so you do have options, but it is... You got to be aware, like you
1: said, you have to be aware of it. That you have it and what to do. And, and our breath can bring us back there. So even just taking, I know every, people wear watches a lot too that even tell you to stop and breathe. So if you listen to your watch and <laughs> just take that minute and just do those deep breaths and bring yourself back into a calm space instead of ignoring that little reminder. <laughs> and even those little steps can go a long way too. Right,
0: and I'm a big fan of that because I spend so much of my fitness life in postpartum care and the pelvic floor. And a lot of times we get so stressed that we start chest breathing. Or while we're pregnant, we learn to not breathe with our diaphragm. So our chest is rising, our shoulders are rising. And then it turns off our pelvic floor, we start having leakage, we start having all these things. So that's coupled with the stress. And it's like just relax, take some nice diaphragmatic breaths, you know, calm down. It helps your stress level. It's going to help your headaches and it's going to be nice to your pelvic floor. So that's a win, win, win.
1: <laughs> and it's just breath, you know, right? <laughs> it's simple. I mean, can do <laughs> Everything's so complicated. You don't have to make it complicated. Yes.
0: Yes. And that's simple. Like as simple as you can imagine is breathing. Absolutely. And it's so, it is powerful. It, it totally is. So you know, we could be
1: aware of our stress. How are our headaches possibly linked to our periods then? So the most common reasons that you get headaches hormonally are from either estrogen dominance or a rapid change in your hormones. So that's why generally when people are having these cyclical migraines that are in relation to getting them every month, they'll get them most often at ovulation or the week before their period. And that is because in ovulation, the estrogen's rising and dropping. And in um, the week before ovulation, your progesterone and your estrogen both begin to fall off. But Often your progesterone can fall off more quickly, leaving you in an estrogen dominant dynamic, and so then you're having this estrogen dominance, and that can cause a- inflammatory mediators called pl- prostaglandins to be um, circulating more. Which can a surge of prostaglandins can then cause headaches. So we have this dynamic where we really need to work on getting our estrogen and progesterone imbalance and. To make that, you know, there are things that are causing that internally, and there's so many dynamics when it comes to that, but we're also bombarded with estrogens all the time that we're not even realizing. And so you can just, you know, some simple things to do are really take a look at your environment, take a look at your skincare products, at what's in your kitchen, at what food you're eating, and, and are you getting endocrine disruptors or what we call xenoestrogens, Uh, on your skin? Or are you eating those? And and really, how is that affecting your life? So taking kind of a look at your environment can be really helpful and impactful of really getting awareness around the estrogen.
0: That's amazing around ovulation and right when you're PMSing. So how does it affect women who are recently postpartum? Because I know progesterone and estrogen are very out of whack directly after. Like, Do people tend to have more headaches during
1: that period or does it just vary by person? It's very interesting because... Um, and the other thing that I mentioned before with the stress and the prolactin levels also change with, yeah. you know, at postpartum with nursing and everything, um, women tend to either get worse or better. So often people, when your hormone, you know, when you're going through that birth pr- pregnancy, um, so often women that get these cyclical migraines will then not have migraines during pregnancy because of the hormonal change. So it's, it is interesting that, and then that as you regulate and you get back into your regular cycle, they can come back and that, and and then again, through menopause. So sometimes during perimenopause, you get more surges of hormones because your, your body's still trying to make that estrogen. And so sometimes you can get estrogen surges and get these symptoms and so they can become worse. But then sometimes after menopause, again, because the hormones are changing, you'll actually get a drop off. Oh, wow. That is really interesting that it affects it that way and they can get better. Yes. And so I think I just tell people, you know, something for listeners to do right now is like I said, you know, one, some of the things that you're not thinking about maybe are like BPA and plastics. So that's, you know, we, we eat out of plastic and that's considered a, a xenoestrogen. And so look at your, you know, you don't, you definitely don't ever want to heat your plastics because when you, once you heat the plastic, it it, it like melts basically, and it can leach into your food. And so, you want to try to limit, like, limit the plastics, and then also not if you're going to have a plastic, you know, hand wash them and don't put them in the microwave or the dishwasher. I find it crazy that you know a lot of times you know food will come in plastic, and then you're told to heat the you know heat the food in the plastic. I'm like, oh no, no. I had an organ. I had uh, someone I was working with that went to like really like this organic food company that was, you know, making sure all the ingredients were natural and great. And then we're saying like, we'll heat it up in a plastic container and (laughs) be like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. But, um, so that's just something you can look at and you can look at making sure like your, your beef and your dairy are hormone free, organic grass fed, because a lot of our, our produce now, um, with the meat and the dairy have are given hormones, and so all those things that can bring down your hormone levels can help you balance. I love that. When
0: I had I had a a while ago someone on a doctor on, and he talked about the plastics. It's probably about a year ago. And after that, I was talking to my husband. And I said, "That's so simple. It is so simple not to microwave things in plastic, and not to store things in plastic." So we literally said, you know, it doesn't take that much extra money. Let's go get glass Tupperware. Let's, you know, store it in the fridge that way. Let's not heat things up in plastic. And it's such a small shift that you don't have to have a lot of money to do to be able to make it work and to be able to make yourself healthier. And so I love that because we shifted out of that. And now I don't notice a difference, but I feel good knowing this is something easy that I could choose to do today. So if you are someone who's worried about, you know, your hormones or your health. And you're like, I, I, I'm not able to do supplements. I'm not able to do this. Just, just do that. Just don't do things in plastic. Don't save things in plastic. Don't store things in plastic. Don't microwave things in plastic. And it's already one step better. So I love that example.
1: Yes. It's, it's just a simple shift. I always tell people that too, like when you're thinking of personal care products, like, you know, a lot of products have a lot of chemicals that we don't realize. And, and I say, don't, feel like you have to be overwhelmed with the finance of cleaning it all out and shifting all your products because it like it can be expensive so when you finish something just buy something clean the next time so you know when you're out of it just replace it with something
0: I love that it's a, it's a small shift and even we've done that in our house with foods where slowly we've shifted into foods that I'm like, okay, I feel like we can switch out simple things like our strawberries. You know, that's a really, that's really high on the dirty dozen list Mm -hmm. to get an organic strawberry. And there's some times when you're like, Ooh, I can't do that yet. Like for certain melons or whatever, but just slowly make those shifts over time and you won't notice it. And it doesn't feel overbearing. I love that example of just when it runs out. Try a different product. All those little changes add up. Yeah, they totally do. So let's talk more about those because I love that example you gave. I want to know some other remedies, like natural remedies we can do for our headaches, what we can do, things we could be aware of,
1: lifestyle shifts, just anything. Let's let's figure absolutely. out how to make them yes. go away. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Well, so then another thing is sleep because we want to make sure that our circadian rhythm is in check. And so um, sleep is an independent risk factor of headaches too, particularly migraines. There have been studies on how much REM sleep you get in association with migraines. So you really want to pay attention. I know especially people that are busy moms and and think, okay, I have some time when my kids go to sleep or, oh, I just can get these few things done. It really is important to focus and and take a real look at how you're sleeping. Are you you know, are you going to bed? Do you wake up through the night? And I think once you kind of put the mirror up to that, you can realize, you know, maybe you're not getting as much sleep as you can. And that's really when we rejuvenate and we can bring those cortisol levels down. So you really want to make sure that your room is cool, dark, and quiet, that you um, are not stimulating your brain a few hours before bed. You know, often we have that phone that everyone can reach us at at all times around. And so maybe, Keeping that out of your room and avoid any like planning or anything at night. Uh, You also want to be careful everyone metabolizes caffeine different. So you may think that you're not drinking or eating caffeine. Chocolate it does have caffeine. So that after dinner chocolate treat, you know, might have some caffeine that's still keeping you up late, or you may be a slow metabolizer. So if you're going to drink caffeine, just make sure that's in the morning. Um, And then also another thing that you might not be thinking about is calming your digestion down and limiting foods a few hours before bed, because sometimes we don't sleep as well when we're still digesting foods. What about any other lifestyle shifts? So we talked a little bit about hyd- hydration and then mm-hmm. making sure that you're staying hydrated at a cellular level. So that's important when it comes to headaches. So when you're drinking your water, don't chug it all at one meal. You want to drink it through the day and have that water bottle beside you so that your cells are getting that optimal hydration. I can't pull a classic Andrea and be like,
0: oh my gosh, I haven't drank any water. I'm drinking
1: 40 ounces at once. <laughs> Not <laughs> the best way to do it, Andrea. No, no. <laughs> Oh, yes. man. So, <laughs> because then you're eliminating potentially a lot of that water because you're drinking it all at once. So you're right. So in order to get optimal cellular hydration, we want to try to kind of sip that through through the day. Another thing that people don't think about that does also go into headaches is gut health. So if you have, you know, we mentioned food sensitivities because food sensitivities do create this immune response They can create inflammation. Um, But sometimes underlying inflammation in our gut can also be a contributing factor to your headaches. And you're not always thinking about that when you're, you know, thinking, oh, I'm bloated or, you know, things like that. It's not necessarily that that could be contributing to my headaches, but there is a connection there too.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And if they're monitoring their food, that might also help them find that connection possibly. Because if we're, we talked about the calendar and laying out their food, would that help? That
1: Yes, that should. Mm-hmm. That should help because it, it's, it's. I mean, you can put anything on that calendar. So, you know, you can put if you've had, a if you're stressed. So when you have the blank calendar and you get the headache, you can write your foods down. You can write how much water you have. You can write if you had a change in sleep. You can write down, you know, your stress level if there was something different that happened that day that created you to be more sh- stressed. You can even, you know, particularly if you notice that you're getting more headaches, like on the weekends or something, sometimes that could be caffeine related too, because or we can get, yeah, or lack of sleep. So, up, you know, yeah. it can be all these different factors. And so we really want you to start associating, becoming aware that these factors are contributing your, to your headaches. And then really digging into what is that, What does that look like for you? I love that you look at the person
0: as a whole because, I mean, we talked about putting food on the calendar, but you're like, no, put when you drink caffeine, put when you don't sleep, put when you're stressed, put when your period is, put when you're ovulating, put all of these things and then compare them to your headaches and notice if there's a
1: pattern. You'll start to see, you should start to see something come up. And, you know, it can get, there can be so many factors. And that's why, like, when we work together, we we can do testing. We can dig deeper. We can see some of those things. But I think once you start just creating this awareness, there's so much power in really be, you know, realizing that these factors are contributing and seeing what the connections are and you start to notice a difference.
0: Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Are there any other products like, okay, so say we're in a situation, we're trying to map out, we're trying to figure out when we're getting headaches. But in that moment, I'm like, I need this headache to go away. <laughs> what? what natural remedies, what things can we take? Like, are there any essential oils or vitamins or anything that would be natural that would help that, that you would suggest when we're in that moment and we're still trying to work
1: through that nasty headache. I agree. I know that that's tricky because you do. Sometimes it's like you're just there and you have to deal with it. And so um, essential oils that I really like are peppermint, lavender, and rosemary that people find a lot of success rubbing, you know, rubbing that on your temple, putting like a cool cloth over your forehead, your eyes, um, and then maybe going to, if you have the option of going to lay down in a dark room, you know, that will help to making sure you drink a glass of water to get your hydration up, all. Of those things, but pe- the essential oils can be very helpful if you catch it, you know. And at that point, you want to make sure you're catching it when the headache's starting, so it's not at that point where you're already in so much pain. Um, curcumin is an anti inflammatory, too, so that's another thing you can try naturally. Uh, that isn't you know when you're talking about something like an Advil or Tylenol or a prescription medication they're stronger so you know you're not getting the maybe the strength you would from that but you are getting that that inflama- you know that inflammation going down And the the essential oils, a lot of people do have success really getting that pain to go away. What about, like, do you know of any pressure points or anything like that that would be helpful? There, yeah, you know, actually, if you know, it actually comes to often from the neck. So there are things like even scraping or doing gouache that that I always say this wrong, but the gua sha, I know I'm not pronouncing it right, but <laughs> that's I don't the pronounce scream. anything correctly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it the way I think it is supposed to be pronounced, but you know, this, the scraping method on your neck and really working out those muscles or your, you know, your jawline too, okay. because those, we carry a lot of tension in the back of our the back of our head, the base, you know, where our neck connects to our head and our skull and then a, a, in the jaw line too. So really just kind of working those muscles out can give people a lot of relief too.
0: And it makes sense to start with those because for me, I know when I have them, I know when it's coming. I instantly know what's coming because my vision slightly starts to get blurry. I start to see spots, and I text my husband, and I'm like, "Okay, one's coming on," and he's like, "Okay," braces himself <laughs> because <laughs> it takes about 30 minutes, and then I'm like wiped out. And like I said, I only get a couple a year, but now I really want to go back and track what happened the week before. I gotta pay attention to that because I don't get them often, but
1: when I do. Oh, heaven help me. <laughs> yes. And, and look, and the other thing I would say if you're looking for a new nu- a nutrient that will help is magnesium. So often there's a connection with people being magnesium deficient um, and getting more headaches. So if you're looking at one way you can, we-, we talked a lot about eliminating, but that's looking for foods with magnesium in them. Um, magnesium is a relaxing mineral too. So things like pumpkin seeds, almonds, spinach, cashews, all are high. Sources of magnesium.
0: Oh man, magnesium. Does it? Is there anything it doesn't do? (laughs) I (laughs) I feel like it helps helps with sleep. It helps like so many different things. Okay, that's good to know. And those foods that naturally have it in it—that it's like if you get headaches, see if that helps. See if adding those in helps because that is really interesting. Are there any other suggestions you have that you think would be helpful if we are in the middle of a headache or to possibly avoid it on the front side? Anything else that you're like this?
1: Is the secret sauce? <laughs> <laughs> I do see a, a lot of connection too with environment, and so I think really just paying attention to your environment. Sometimes, um, with people that have allergies and and really have some congestion too, that's another thing that can be contributing. And so sometimes doing things like putting an air filter in your bedroom can be helpful. I say that if you're gonna do the air purifier, do it in start in your bedroom because you spend the most time there. And that can be an investment that can help to just really cleaning up your environment, making sure you get that quality air uh, and and really talk to your toxic, minimizing your toxic load, which are similar things like we're saying with the BPA and those endocrine disruptors. I love that. I love that. Those are all super great tips. And
0: the thing I... Whenever I bring someone on, I always try to point out there are levels because I think sometimes we get overwhelmed that we think we have to do everything at once. And I appreciate so much that you pointed out, here are some simple ideas, add step by step by step and slowly adjust and figure out what's working for you, what's not working for you, tracking, you know, on the calendar to see, to link it, if it's stress, food, periods, so many things and the ideas. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so tell us where we can find you. I know you have a free guide for um, doing headaches and you even do online consults. So tell us, tell us where we can find you and about that guide.
1: Yes. So I have an eight step guide to say goodbye to headaches naturally, and you can download that at helpmyheadaches.com dot helpmyheadaches.com and um, that is going to go through a lot of the steps that we talked about and it lays everything out so it's a really nice place to get started As, uh, I have an online functional medicine practice where I see people all over the world and um, my website is www.megmill m-e-g-m-i-l-l dot com and I actually run a specific program a few times a year a small group for people specifically with headaches so you can find that at happiness beyond headaches. And so uh, if you sign up for the early interest list when that's running, that you'll start getting um, information about that. And it's really nice because we go through all of these steps and you get some community aspect, too, of other people that are going through it. And we see huge differences in in people's lives in that program. And and then I'm over on Instagram at um, Dr. Meg Mill. So I post there regularly and come find me there, too. I love it. And I will put all of those links
0: in the show notes because I know if you are someone who gets headaches regularly, you're like, please help me. (laughs) I know they are so hard. I have had friends who they are just consistent and brutal. So I will make sure to add all those show notes, all of the links in the notes if you want to find her. Thank you so much for being on Meg. You shared so much information that I'm like, oh, now I'm excited to track things and be more aware. So I really, really appreciate it. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I do want to just say to everyone, you know, be patient with yourself because once you start looking at these connections and you start seeing things change, it, it takes a little bit of time to see the shifts. But if you stay consistent, you will see them.
0: I love that. And you guys know I believe that because that's the same thing with fitness. It's the same thing with health, with postpartum healing, with everything. Nothing happens overnight. I know we think that because online, it makes it look that way. But the consistency and the patience for no matter what your goals are, or no matter what you're trying to improve, it just takes time. And that's okay, because the time will be worth figuring out what's going on. So I love that you said that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I hope so much that this episode was helpful. I personally had never thought of tracking my headaches and then linking it possibly to the foods I'm eating, to the stress in my life, to my periods even. I knew that water was related. So that was very interesting to me. And I truthfully hope that you learned something from it. I know that headaches are brutal. As I mentioned, I only get a couple migraines a year and even those, I would love to get rid of them. And I know that some of you have headaches weekly and even daily. So I hope this episode was helpful. If you have someone who gets headaches on a regular basis, please share this episode with them. Give them some tips, help them get ideas. And I will share all of those show notes and links to reach out to Dr. Meg Mill in the show notes so you can reach out if you need to but spread the word because maybe there are some things we can do to really avoid those headaches and anything we can do to make ourselves healthier you know in the big picture while I personally do fitness there are so many layers to health as I've talked about many times so please share this with your friends and family and as always you are doing better than you think you are and we'll chat next week